Well, this past Friday, I had the opportunity to take Kelly on a date, and another couple from our church happened to be at the same restaurant that we went to, and they finished their dinner before us, and when they were leaving, they walked by our table and said hi, and started to head out the door, and the guy yelled back to me, engage, Bob. And so I know at least one man was listening to last week's sermon and uh, was exhorting me to uh, apply it uh, in my life and in my marriage. But uh, if you were here, you remember I preached a message about how God created and called men to be the leaders in their home and in their church. And we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 3, which focuses on the spiritual leadership role that men play in the church. Well, today... I want to uh, piggyback on that a bit, or maybe if you're talking to guys, it's dogpile. I want to dogpile on the guys again. Um, And uh, look at another passage that focuses on the spiritual leadership role that men are to play in their marriage. And so I've titled today's message, A Man and His Marriage. Because while both the husband and the wife play a a significant role in developing and maintaining a happy, fulfilling, God-honoring marriage, the primary burden for the state of the marriage relationship clearly rests on the husband's shoulders. We are the ones, men, who ultimately will have to give an account to God someday for the amount of time and care and energy and attention that we invested in our marriages. And in the same way that we as men set the tone here at church, we also set the tone in our marriage. And so as we go, so our marriage goes. Now, I'm not saying that Wives are not responsible to be who God calls and commands them to be, nor am I saying that our wives can blame us for their sinful attitudes or actions or words, Um, but I do believe that their attitudes and their actions and their words oftentimes reflect how well or how poorly we are leading our marriages. And uh, you may have seen the movie, Remember the Titans. It's one of my favorite movies. And uh, my favorite scene in that movie is when the, um, the, one of the black ba- uh, football players and, and one of the white football players clash. And this is uh, a true story about uh, a school in Virginia that was uh, uh, going through the desegregation process and they brought all the black kids and the white kids together and they had to play on the same football team and they didn't like it. And so they were butting heads all the time initially. And so uh, the two uh, main characters uh, went head to head after practice one day. And uh, the, the captain uh, told uh, this other guy, he said, man, your, your attitude stinks. To which he replied, attitude reflects leadership, captain. And kind of put that guy in his place. I think that applies to marriages, that oftentimes our wives' attitude uh, reflects uh, our leadership or lack thereof. 
And the reason is because God designed us as men to be the initiators and the pursuers. And he wired our wives to be the receivers, the the responders or the followers, if you will. According to God's word, we represent Jesus Christ in the marriage relationship. That's our role, men. We're called to play the part of Jesus in the parable of marriage. Ephesians chapter 5 says that. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, what? Like Christ loves the church. And we love Christ because he first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. And he loved us in spite of our sinfulness, Romans 5, 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You look at probably two of the... um, I guess, unsung books of the Old Testament that really are are rich with principles for marriage. Obviously, we think of the Song of Solomon, and uh, you read through the Song of Solomon, and you see this couple uh, interacting together on this, this, this this is like a next level relationship uh, when it comes to husbands and wives, and and what's going on there? Uh, Well, really, that wife represented there in Song of Solomon, is simply responding to the love that her husband is showing to her and the way he's treating her with such kindness and affection and praising her verbally and communicating with her. And she's simply just responding um, to his uh, love and care for her. And then, of course, we have the book of Hosea where we have this really tragic story of, of, of a man named Hosea, the prophet, who was told by God to marry a woman who was going to be unfaithful to him. Uh, she ended up becoming a, a prostitute. Her name was Gomer. And uh, he continued to pursue her and pursue her and pursue her, even in spite of her sin, and ended up buying her back out of the slave market and nursing her back to health. And of course, that was a beautiful picture of the way God loved the nation of Israel and the way God loves us unconditionally, sacrificially, and he continues to pursue us even when we run away from him and and commit spiritual adultery, if you will, uh, when we we cheat on God by uh, getting involved in, in sinful things. Again, just to show us that the biblical foundation is that men are... The initiators, men are the pursuers, really be, be reflecting God and reflecting Christ in our relationship with our wives. Now, I can count on one hand, probably, the number of husbands who have come to me for counsel in dealing with a wayward wife. Um, granted, there are some men who are married to Gomers and maybe even some Jezebels out there. And if that describes you, Uh, May the Lord be gracious uh, to you in that. Um, But I've lost track of the number of wives who have come to me for counsel in dealing with an insensitive, inattentive husband who has caused them tremendous pain and heartache. And and that's not to say, guys, um, that I can't be a lame husband too. Um, Whenever my marriage seems to be in a slump or there's an obvious disconnect or distance between Kelly and me, I can usually trace it back to my failure 
to apply one very important verse in the Bible. And that's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me there this morning. We're just going to look at this one verse. And it is my favorite verse in the Bible about a man's responsibility, his opportunity, his privilege uh, in marriage. And uh, some of you, uh, I'm sure the men that have been involved in our men's ministry over the years have heard me teach on this passage many times before, but I just want you to know I was personally stirred up by way of reminder, uh, just uh, refreshing my memory of this text and and preparing for this morning, and I trust that will be the same experience for those of you that uh, perhaps have heard me teach on this passage before, um, or maybe this is your first time, but that really is the challenge of the preacher, is just to continue to uh, present the same truths Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, year after year after year, and, uh, and, and what are we doing? We're simply stirring people up by way of reminder. And so, man, I want us to be reminded this morning of what God has called us to do uh, in our marriages. Now, let me read for you the text. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, we need to understand that Peter was writing to Christians who were scattered all over Asia at the time, and they were facing all sorts of trying circumstances, and mainly what they were experiencing was persecution for their faith in Christ. And the women had it worse, the worst, because in the Greco-Roman culture, women led extremely difficult lives. They were considered to be on a lower level than men. And uh, they were poorly treated, much like slaves were in those days. And the wife's role was basically to bear children and do the housework. Um, as we would maybe say it today, to, to be barefoot and pregnant and, and, and just you know, do the laundry and cook and clean. Uh, that was their role. And husbands typically had a number of concubines. And it was common for men to divorce their wives for, for petty reasons. Now, some of that... Sounds like it's the same today, doesn't it? I mean, not much has changed. And even though women today enjoy far more freedoms and have equal rights and privileges as men, men still tend to treat women poorly. They selfishly use them and abuse them. And even Christian men, I think, are prone to to relate to their wives in very demeaning and domineering ways. And they can be very controlling. They, be, they can become very demanding and they can put them down. They can neglect them or can they, they can just be passive and ignore their wives altogether. And so just like the men that Peter was addressing here in this text, we too have been influenced by the culture around us and we desperately need to learn how to relate to our wives in a way that is radically different from the way men tend to relate to their wives. And so in this verse, Peter exhorted men to relate to and engage with their wives in two ways that I think will minister to our wives the most and lead to the best possible marriage, the best marriage imaginable. What are these two ways that we are to minister to our wives? 
Well, the first way is to pursue them. To pursue them. Peter commands us to pursue our wives. Notice he says, you husbands in the same way. Or likewise, perhaps your Bible says. And and so this tells us he's referring back to something he's already been talking about. And really the theme that he started uh, back in chapter 2, verse 13, uh, is, is all about patiently submitting to those who treat us harshly and unjustly. Verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to the one in authority or to governors. Um, then he goes on in verse 18, servants be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor for the sake of conscience toward God. A person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, in the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And so we see this theme of submitting to those uh, who are over us, and even when our authority fails, even when they treat us unjustly or treat us harshly. And so now in verse 7, Peter turned to the husbands who have been placed by God in that position of authority over their wives, and he admonished them to not abuse that authority by treating their wives harshly or unjustly. And so what is the opposite of treating someone unreasonably or harshly or unjustly? Well, number one, he says, live with your wives in an understanding way. Live with your wives in an understanding way. By the way, this is a present tense command which means it's something that we should do continuously, men. This is an ongoing way of life. This is not something that we just do every once in a while, every few months, for the first few years after we get married. We're supposed to be doing this all the time throughout our entire married lives. We are to be living with our wives in an understanding way. Now, I don't have to tell you, but you know there are plenty of jokes about the differences between men and women, right? And the impossibility of a man ever understanding a woman. And guys, listen, we all know our wives are different than us, very different from us. And we often point out those differences and make fun of them or let them frustrate us or irritate us. And I think this, the reason this happens is we, we, we are trying to understand our wives instead of simply living with them in an understanding way. In other words, uh, there, there are some things about my wife that, honestly, I will never understand as a man. But I can live with her in an understanding way. I can show kindness. I can be considerate. I can try to be empathetic to things that even don't make sense to me. Like the first time she cried after we got married. And uh, we were in our first apartment in California, and uh, let's just say the honeymoon wasn't over, and we were having a great time, 
And, uh, and so one night I got into bed and there was my wife on the other side of the bed with her back to me and uh, kind of on the very edge of the bed. And I thought, oh no, trouble in paradise. What, 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 is, uh, what, what happened? I must have done something. I must have said something. And I said, hey, honey, are, are you okay? And, and she rolled over and I could see the tears in her eyes. And I thought, oh no, I must have done something you know, really terrible. And I don't even know what it was. Um, but I've, I've, I've apparently heard her. And so I said, honey, it, it, did I say something or do something that, that hurt you? And she, you know, just not, shook her head no. And, and so then I started to think, well, well, if it wasn't me, who was it? Surely there was somebody that hurt her and said something mean to her or hurt her feelings. And, and so, well, honey, well, who was it? And, you know, uh, and she was like, and, and so I asked the obvious question. I said, well, why are you crying? And what she said to this day is the craziest thing I've ever heard. She said, I don't know. (laughs) And I went from being so thoughtful and kind and compassionate and wanting to help and serve my wife to getting mad. And then she really started to cry. Because she saw I was frustrated and angry with her, and I just couldn't, I mean, if I'm going to cry, you're dirty, you have to, if you're going to cry, you have to have a reason to cry, right? You can't just cry just because you wanted to cry. Well, guess what? Sometimes that's what girls do. They just need a good cry. And so, thankfully, over 30 years of marriage, um, I've gotten to the point where I can sometimes just kind of see it, see it coming. And I can just look at her, and I can just say, hey, baby, you need to cry, and sure enough, and I'll just reach out and, you know, she settles in and I hug her real tight and just let her cry and hand her Kleenex. And, and, uh, and after a few minutes, she, you know, wipes her tears and blows her nose and goes on her merry way. And I'm like, I have no clue what just happened, but I'm so glad I could serve my wife. And uh, I know you ladies are laughing because it's so true. Um, and there's this part of you that is so different than us as men. And, and I still think God just had a sense of humor when he put a man and a woman together in marriage. And he just kind of sits up there in heaven and just kind of chuckles at watching us try to maneuver and navigate this sometimes very awkward uh, relationship of two very different creatures. But, but notice he says here, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, literally, what that says in the original is live with your wives according to knowledge. According to knowledge. And so I think the knowledge that Peter was referring to here perhaps is twofold. Number one, as a husband, we need to have general knowledge about marriage. We need to understand the purpose of marriage. Uh, how a husband is to, or a man is to leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. We need to understand the roles of husbands and wives and Ephesians 5 comes in handy about wives submitting to husbands, husbands loving their wives. We need to know how to communicate in a godly way. Ephesians 4 has some great principles about uh, communication and not letting the sun go down on your anger and being completely honest with one another. And um, uh, we need to understand how to resolve conflict um, 
We need to understand the biblical principles of sex. 1 Corinthians 7 has some great things to say there. Uh, we need to understand uh, what, it, what the Bible talks about raising children. Ephesians chapter 6, because children often are part of a marriage, right? And, and some of the conflict and challenges that married couples face. We also need to have an understanding of what the Bible teaches about divorce and remarriage. And again, this is important general knowledge. Malachi 2.16, God hates divorce, but he also provides mercy to faithful partners. Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians 7, um, that there's two grounds for divorce, either adultery or abandonment. And so again, these are very important things that we need to understand um, uh, if we're going to be a good husband. Uh, And in order to grow in our knowledge of these things, we need to spend time studying God's word, listening to sermons, reading books, and and basically equipping ourselves to know these things. So I think that's the first kind of knowledge that we need to have is this general knowledge of marriage. But also we need to have a specific knowledge of our wife. We need to have a specific specific knowledge of our wife. We, We need to know the, the, the details, the intimate details of their lives. We need to know what makes them tick. We need to know how they think and how they respond, what irritates them, what scares them, what frustrates them. We need to know their dreams, their, their goals, their strengths, their weaknesses, uh, their temptations, their besetting sins, their moods, their hormonal cycles, uh, their likes, their dislikes, what communicates love to them, what communicates indifference to them. And in order to grow in our knowledge of these things, we need to spend time studying our wives and listening to them and and learning how to read them. And I think the place to start with that, guys, is just to carve out some time uh, in your daily, weekly, monthly, maybe even annual calendar, if you will, to spend undistracted, unhurried time with your wife. Now, this could be offensive at first for uh, some of the wives to maybe see their husband's scheduling time with them in their little calendars, like, oh, I'm just another thing on your calendar, another thing on your to-do list. Well, um, I, I appreciate my wife. She, she loves, she sometimes looks at my calendar and looks for, looks for her name in it. You know, and, and I usually put a little heart next to it, Kelly, and, and that gets her excited that I'm planning Right? She sees that I'm actually deliberately, intentionally planning time uh, to be with her and spend time with her. And whether that's uh, you know, in, in one evening uh, a, a week or, or maybe a, a special date away, um, a weekend away or something like that, um, she looks forward to those kinds of things. And so, uh, again, we need to uh, schedule time, especially when your life gets busy, Right? as a young married couple, it wasn't as hard to spend time together. It just seemed to come way more natural. But then you start throwing in some kids into the mix, right? And you start moving on in your career and other things and life just gets busy. And next thing you know, you haven't spent any time together for weeks or months. And that's why, sadly, so many couples end up, right, sitting at the kitchen table together eating their oatmeal and toast after the kids have gone off and flew the nest, right, flew the coop, and and they don't know each other because they haven't spent time with each other for 20 years because their focus was either on their kids or their careers or their hobbies or whatever. And, uh, And so that's sadly oftentimes when couples part ways and go their separate ways. 
So men, what might this look like practically? It might mean that you need to be home more. Maybe you need to work less hours. Maybe you need to hit a few less golf balls on the driving raid. Maybe a, maybe a few less trips to the deer lease. I know I'm meddling now, right? Um, coming up on hunting season here. Um, uh, maybe you need to turn off the TV. Um, uh, maybe you need to just put down your cell phone or your tablet. Listen, I mean, you, you don't like it when your kids, right? You're trying to have a conversation with your kids and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're, they're scrolling through their stuff, right? You don't like that, do you? Well, don't do that to your wife, right? We need to be careful that we don't ever give our wife the impression that we're more interested in what went on in the world that day than what went on in her world that day. And once we're sitting there, we need to work hard, men, and it is hard work. It doesn't come naturally, at least it doesn't to me, to stimulate meaningful communication that goes beyond our schedules and deals with more than facts. When, when guys talk, we're just like, hey, so what'd you do? Well, I did this and I did this and this. Okay, great. Nice talking to you, right? But when you have a conversation with a woman, right, it's not about what they did as much as it's how it made them feel. And that's just a realm that makes guys very uncomfortable because um, that is very different. Um, Men rarely talk about their feelings, right? When you ask, uh, in fact, when a woman asks a guy how they feel, they're like, fine. It's pretty simple, one-dimensional. How are you feeling? Fine. Well, you ask that same question to a woman and you never know what's going to come out of her mouth, Right? There's a myriad of emotions and feelings just always kind of brewing in there, and she could be sad or lonely or excited or scared or upset, and you just got to buckle up, man, because you never know, right? But that's part of loving your wife. And so when your wife expresses how she feels, how maybe you have hurt her her, or uh, maybe what she perceives to be a problem in your marriage, be very careful how you respond, Because if you react in anger or frustration, she'll likely shut down. She'll just clam up. And she'll realize, you know what? I don't have a safe space here to talk. And so I'm just going to stuff all this stuff that I'm thinking, all this stuff I'm feeling, because I I don't feel like I can do that. And so we need to create an atmosphere where our wives can be open and honest and where they're not afraid to tell us what they're really thinking, what they're really feeling. And don't ever laugh or minimize the problem by telling her she's, you know, way too sensitive. Oh, you're just way too sensitive. Or you shouldn't feel that way. You know, how many times have I said come out of my mouth? Well, you shouldn't feel that way. And, and so what do we do? We're, we're, we're either getting defensive or we're trying to rationalize maybe why they're feeling that way. They're just having a bad day or it's that time of the month. And by the way, guys, don't say that. Even if you thought it, don't say it. Not helpful. Probably not going to go over real well. Um, and and, and this, is, this is also hard for us as guys because we're, we're wired to fix things. And uh, we see a problem and we want to fix it. And so sometimes wives say things that sound like a question, but they're really not looking for an answer or a solution. They just want us to feel it with them. They don't want us to fix it. They just want to have us be a part of what they're experiencing. And uh, if you've never watched it before, um, go on YouTube and type in, it's not about the nail. Okay? Okay? Write that down. Promise you, 
And, and ladies, you're even going to laugh, okay? This is wife approved, by the way, because I showed this to my wife and she cracked up because she knows it's, it's true. And so watch that the video together as husband and wife. You'll get a kick out of it. After church day, it's not about the nail. What are some practical ways for a husband to pursue his wife? Okay, we're talking about living with your wife in an understanding way. I'm describing that as pursuing your wife because that's what we're talking about. If you're gonna, how do you get to know your wife? Right? How can you live according to knowledge with your wife? Well, you've got to pursue her. You gotta get to know her. And so what do you do? Well, you can plan a a regular date together. You can ask deep thought-provoking questions that that draw her out. Um, Listen to her suggestions without getting defensive. Let her vent her frustrations without correcting her uh, or trying to fix her. Um, Keep a record, a a notes of things you discover about your wife that you want to remember Maybe some gifts that she might like to have or some, somewhere she said she'd love to go or a restaurant she likes or hobbies or activities that she would like to uh, maybe start or um, maybe a favorite movie or maybe her favorite musician and, and uh, you know, just keep track of this stuff. And, and by the way, make sure you write it in pencil or somewhere where you can hit delete because it's going to change. And I thought I was just getting to know my wife and 25 years into it, she started changing everything. I'm like, wait a minute, I thought this was your favorite kind of soda. Wait a minute, I thought this was your favorite place to eat. I thought this was your kind of, and she's like, oh no, I don't like that anymore. I'm like, what? I mean, this, this, that's not fair. You can't change the rules in the middle of the game, right? And so uh, ever since uh, we were married, my wife uh, found me this desk at the Goodwill store, and I think she paid $20 for this desk. And it was a desk from the Disney Corporation, believe it or not, in Burbank, and somehow it ended, out in, ended up in this Goodwill store, and it was this beautiful big desk, and I've used that desk to study ever since we got married. And, and from day one, there's been one drawer in that desk that's been delegated as the date drawer. It's the bottom left-hand drawer, and if you come to my house, you're not allowed in there, Okay. Because this is the day drawer. And this is where I kind of have kept and stuff and collected stuff for years of different ideas and, and, and things and brochures for this or printouts of this or, or just ideas, suggestions, things, and kind of stuff it in that day drawer just to kind of uh, keep track of, of uh, our, our relationship and just trying to excel uh, in being a husband. Um, another practical thing or way that you can pursue your wife is experience her world. Do some of her normal tasks, wash the dishes, fold the laundry, dust the house, change a diaper. Well, that'd be a novel thought, right, guys? Change a diaper. Um, make dinner, perhaps. And, and I say that because I think that will make us appreciate and understand what they go through on a daily basis. I was talking to a guy recently and his wife had taken a trip away and he was left home with the kids and, and, and he, he, he showed up to our meeting and I could tell he was exhausted <laughs> that he'd been doing double duty with his wife out of town and, and he was communicating how much he, it made her, him appreciate her so much more. And, and I'm sure they had a wonderful reunion when she got back because his heart was uh, towards his wife and, and so much more appreciative, so much more grateful for her. Um, and then lastly, just be a student of your wife. Um, you know, some guys are content with um, 
having a high, high school diploma on their wife. But I would encourage you guys to pursue a doctorate in your wife. In other words, go to college, you know, get a bachelor's degree and then go on and get a master's degree and then go even beyond that and get a doctorate degree. In other words, you're just constantly learning. You're constantly growing in your understanding of your wife. And I would just say this, guys. Our marriage is like anything else uh, in our lives. How good it is depends on how much time we devote to it. And some of you guys are really good at what you do for a living. Why? Because you have worked hard and invested a ton of time in getting good at what you do. Some of you guys are man, really good at golf or really good at tennis or really good at, you know, shooting stuff, hitting the bullseye, right? Why? Because you have spent a lot of time practicing and, 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 and getting better at those things. Some of your guys' yards look amazing. They're immaculate. Why? Because you spend a lot of time out there working on those yards. And it's sad to me that it seems like some men are more devoted to those kinds of things than they are to their wives and their marriages. And, and sadly, a lot of men are content with a mediocre marriage. And they never put in the effort to make their marriage thrive. Well, notice he goes on to say why. He gives the reason, Peter gives the reason here, why we must live with our wives in an understanding way, why we must know our wives. He says, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker. I don't think he's, he's referring to being spiritually weaker or mentally weaker, but perhaps physically and at times emotionally, okay? This is not a derogatory uh, term, weaker, that implies that you as women are somehow inferior to men. Uh, nowhere does the Bible say that women are inferior to men. In fact, they're spiritual equals. We have that in the very next phrase. Notice it says, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. All that Peter was saying here is that, hey, let's, let's face it. Generally speaking, men are physically and perhaps emotionally stronger than women. When we hear a bump in the night, a noise in the middle of the night, and it wakes us up, I don't roll over and say, hey, honey, why don't you go check that out? No, she's rolling over and telling me, hey, honey, would you go check that out? Or if you're driving down the road and you have a blowout and you have to pull over and change your tire, husbands, I hope you don't say, hey, honey, why don't you, uh, why don't you take care of that? I'll stay in the car with the kids here and keep them preoccupied and, while you change the tire, right? No, that, none of us would think that way. I think it's fair to say that Women are typically more sensitive than men. They tend to react emotionally to things rather than logically, as guys tend to do. And so that means that they're, they're more fragile. And, and I, that's why I like this word here. He says, um, as someone weaker, or in some uh, phrases it says, as a weaker vessel, And the vessel would be like a jar. It would be like a, a container of some sort. And so the idea, I think, here is that, that we need to view our wives like an expensive china vase that we bought from some 
bougie store, right? And, uh, you know, that you put up on the mantle and it's just like, well, that's the, that's the family heirloom and, and, and the kids come in and start kicking the ball or throwing the foot. Hey, 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 knock it off and, right, don't hit the whatever. And, and so we, we, that, that has a place of honor because it's expensive, it's rare, as opposed to the cheap plastic garbage can that you picked up at Walmart that you kind of drag in and out of the garage every week, right, with trash in it. Treat them as a, a precious vessel. And so we need to pursue our wife, number one, but we also need to prize our wives. We need to prize our wives. Notice he says, and show her honor. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Assign her a place of honor in your life. Make her the highest priority in your life apart from your relationship with Christ. Put her above your job, put her above your friends, put her above your hobbies. Respect her, cherish her. Treat her like a a precious, priceless jewel. Now, it's natural for a guy to treat a girl like this when they first meet. You would have married that guy if he didn't treat you that way, right? And uh, why? Because you're dating and you're, you know, during your, while you're engaged, I mean, you're, you're courteous. The guy's courteous. He's polite. He's thoughtful. Acts like a gentleman. He's creative. He's spontaneous. He's romantic. Goes out of his way to make things special. Never at a loss for words. The conversation never drags. Remember those days, guys? Gals, I remember those days. There, there was no end to my creative. I didn't have enough time to implement all my creative ideas uh, to want to impress Kelly and woo her to marry me. Well, now I'm like scratching my head going, where did all those creative ideas go? It's like, you want to go eat? <laughs> you know, I mean, what happens after the wedding day, what ha- tends to happen is that a, a husband mounts his trophy on the wall and then goes off to conquer the next goal in his life. And over time, the wife ends up feeling like nothing more than his cook, concubine, and cleaning lady. She don't, they don't feel honored. They don't feel prized. Well, what are some practical ways to prize your wife, to show them honor? Well, think of her as more important than you. Because guess what, guys? She is, okay? According to Philippians 2, 3, and 4, don't just look out for our own, own interests, look out for the interests of others, right? Um, do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit, but with hum- humility of mind, consider others more important than yourself. Give her your undivided attention when she's talking to you. Seek her counsel, take her advice. That honors your wife. Include her in major decisions. That honors your wife. Don't ever raise your voice to her. Don't shout at her. Don't hit her. Don't push her. Don't don't ever grab her or control her by force. This is to honor your wife when you do that. Train your children to speak to your wife with respect. When's the last time you you said to your kids, one of your kids was mouthing off to to their mother and you say, hey, don't talk to my wife like that. You step in and you honor your wife and you do it in front of your kids. Express your appreciation for making meals, washing clothes. Make sure you're telling her thank you all the time. Don't take those things for granted. 
She feels honored. Surprise her with a special getaway. Send her flowers during the day. Pick up your clothes and put them in the hamper. And all the ladies said, amen, right? Don't expect her to always be running behind you, cleaning up your messes. Pull out her chair. Open the car door. Speak highly of her to other people. Never belittle her in front of others. Don't share her weaknesses with other people, kind of to put her down. Give her space. Give her freedom. Don't monitor her every move or every penny she spends. That doesn't honor your wife. Change any habits that irritate her or or, or annoy her. That's honoring your wife. Provide her time to get away from her duties at home so she can spend time alone or maybe with her friends. Be on time for meals. Call if you're going to be late. Communicate where you're going and what you're doing. That honors your wife. Overlook minor faults and physical flaws, personality quirks. Don't demand perfection when you're not perfect yourself. Don't compare to other women in a way that implies that she's inferior. Don't lust after other women. That dishonors your wife. Compliment her on how she looks. Don't just focus on her outward appearance either. Tell her what you appreciate about who she is, her character. And probably the best way you can honor your wife and and, and prize her is to serve her. Don't be like a pompous, arrogant king sitting on your throne expecting her to wait on you hand and foot. Um, if If you want your wife to treat you like a king, treat her like a queen. Then notice he, in the same way he gave a reason for why we should pursue our wives, because they're someone weaker, they're a woman, he gives the reason why we should honor our wives, why we should prize them, because they're a fellow heir of the grace of life. A joint heir, if you will, and we know from Romans 8, 17, Ephesians 3, 6, that we are heirs with Christ, that we have an inheritance in heaven. And guess what? That means that men and women, husbands and wives, are on the same spiritual level. They're on equal standing before God. We're going to receive the same spiritual inheritance um, when we get to heaven. No different. And, And this was a revolutionary concept for the men and women living in that culture because men were here and women were here. And he's saying, no, that's not the way it is. Spiritually speaking, they're on the same level. That phrase, grace of life, they're a fellow heir of the grace of life. That could be life in general. It could be marriage. He could have been referring to marriage as this beautiful gift of grace that God blesses most men and women to be able to enjoy during their lifetime. Or he could have just been simply talking about eternal life, the grace of eternal life, salvation. But either way, uh, husbands and wives are partakers of all these things. And they're all evidence of God's grace in our lives. But notice this final phrase, which I think contains the overarching motivation for husbands to pursue and prize their wives. Notice he says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Well, he just kind of turned the volume up now, turned the heat up on this verse, on on these exhortations. This is serious stuff. You're, You're saying, if I don't do these things, that my prayers could perhaps be hindered? Yeah. Like, like if I don't pursue my wife and I don't prize my wife, that's going to affect my relationship with God? Yeah. 
That word hindered there was a military term that was used to describe when an army would cut down trees and, and, and throw them across the road to block the pathway of an approaching enemy. And so the way to think about this perhaps is, 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 is prayer is our pathway to God. And when we don't treat our wives in an understanding way, when we don't honor them, our path to God is blocked. And some of you men may have been wondering why, it's, why do you have such a hard time praying? Why does it feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling? Well, maybe it's the result of months or years of debris that you've let pile up between you and your wife. All this unresolved conflict. And so God's not interested in having fellowship with you unless you're right with your wife. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, if you're bringing your offering to the Lord and you know somebody has something against you, what are you supposed to do? Leave it there and go make things right with that other person and then come back and worship the Lord. I would encourage you men to view Sunday as a weekly accountability that you're coming with your offering of worship to the Lord and, and it forces you to evaluate where you're at in your relationship with your wife. Can you honestly come to church and, and worship the Lord with a pure heart, knowing that you're right with your wife? And so there may be some late night conversations on Saturday night or maybe early morning conversations. Sunday morning, you might make it, show up late to church because you had to sort some stuff out and make sure you were right with each other. And it wouldn't be the first time when a couple had to hit pause and say, hey, you know what? We can't, we're, we can't, we're not about to walk into church and act like everything's fine and worship the Lord in a hypocritical way when we're not right with each other. So let's spend some time getting right. And then we can go and enjoy our time with the Lord. Psalm 66, 18, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear so as long as we continue to treat our wives poorly, God is not going to hear our prayers. He hears them, but he's not going to respond to them. And I think this is where we need to remember that we are married men to one of God's daughters. And, and, and I would imagine if, if, you know, someday we give our daughter away to another man and, and, and say, okay, it's your responsibility to love her and care for her and provide for her and protect her just like I have for all these years. Now it's your turn and I'm gonna trust and trust her to you. And then I find out, word gets back to me that, that he's not taking good care of her. He's mistreating her. How do you think the relationship is gonna go between me and that guy? Not very well. He's, gonna, he, he's not gonna be able to show up and hey, how's it going, pops? You know, how's it going? I'm going to be like, hey, you know what? We're not on good terms right now because you're not taking good care of my daughter. Well, guys are going into heaven in their prayer times. Hey, how's it going? And they're, they're abusing one of his daughters. And so we need to realize there's a connection here between our love life and our, and our prayer life. And the better our relationship is with our wife, the better our relationship with God, and vice versa. The better our relationship is with God, the better our relationship is with our wife. And, these, and this is the way God designed it. These two relationships are inseparably linked and invariably influence each other. 
And generally speaking, the closer we're walking with the Lord, men, the closer we'll be walking with our wives. And the moment we begin to drift away from the Lord, we're going to drift away from our wives. Men, I would submit to you that these two things are the key to not only maintaining a right relationship with our wives, these are the key to maintaining a right relationship with God. Because this is not only what God wants us to do for our wives, this is what our wives want most. And, and this is to me the wisdom of this passage and the profound wisdom of God. He knows what women want most. Why? Because he made them. God created our wives. And so he knows exactly what they want. Instead of being a dumb guy and going, oh, I, what do you want, woman? Doesn't seem like I can ever do anything right. I can't please you. And man, I can't figure my wife out. I don't know what she wants. I'm trying you know, my best. Well, guess what? God takes the mystery out of this. You don't have to ask the question, well, what does my woman want? You know what she wants? She wants to be pursued. You know what else she wants? She wants to be prized. If I was a betting man, I'd put my money on the fact that I could go around to every woman in this auditorium this morning and say, hey, what do you want most from your husband? Um, well, how about this? How about I suggest to you, would you like to be pursued by your husband? Oh, yeah. That sounds really good. I'd like that. Uh, would you like to be prized by your husband? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. I'd like, in fact, I've always wanted that. Ladies, am I making this up? That's what you want, isn't it? And so guys, duh, okay? The best, I'll never forget this guy that did our, one of the guys that did our, our, uh, our premarital counseling for Kel and me, her pastor that she grew up with, a big black man named Ken Hutcherson and just a godly man, knew the word. And so he's given us all this biblical counsel about being you know, married. And, and then one time he just sat back in his chair and he said, now, Kelly, he said, don't slap a dog's paws when he's playing checkers. And I'm like, what verse is that? Where, where? Uh, don't. And, and I didn't get it at first. I'm like, what? What is he saying, you know? And, uh, and of course, he went on to explain what he was talking about is, listen, Kelly, if, if you know, you could consider Ken a dog, okay? And, and if you got him sitting down playing checkers with you, that's a good thing, right? He's, he's in a marriage. He's in a relationship with you, and he's, he's like a dog playing checkers. And so if a dog makes a wrong move, don't slap his paw, you dumb dog. Just be thankful he's playing checkers with you, right? And I was like, I like this guy. I appreciate that. So I have gotten my paw slapped a number of times, but... Uh, thankfully, Kelly has been very gracious to me. And ladies, if you are in a marriage that doesn't even come close to resembling this, may I remind you that this is in the context of 1 Peter 3.1, in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, 
so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they're not living with you in an understanding way. They're not treating you as weaker. They're not showing you honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Maybe you can win them over without a word by the behavior of your life as, you observe, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. I'll never forget an article I read years ago. It was actually back in 1995. It was Sports Illustrated, and it uh, was an article entitled, Putting His House in Order. And it was an interview, and, and guys, you probably remember this. Ladies are like, what? I've never read a Sports Illustrated in my life, right? Um, but you may remember this. It was an interview with Bill McCartney, who was the head football coach at the University of Colorado, who had just shocked the world uh, the sports world by resigning at the height of his career. He just had won the national championship. Uh, and so Sports Illustrated asked him to explain why he resigned. And he was extremely courageous and vulnerable in his answer. And he had admitted that he had been motivated by selfish goals. And football had been first in his life and the demanding and hectic schedule required of a college football coach had caused him to neglect his wife. And he, he went on to explain how he came to this revelation a realization, and it was at church, in fact, on a Sunday morning. He was sitting there in church, and he looked over at his wife, and he said her face reflected deep emotional pain. And this is what he said. This is a, a quote from Bill McCartney. He said, quote, the glory of man is his wife. Nothing tells you more about a man than what you see in his wife. When you look into the countenance of a man's wife, you will see everything he has invested or withheld. You will see what kind of character he has. That's a profound thought, isn't it? That a, that a woman's countenance, re, re, countenance reflects the kind of man she's married to. And so men, I've... I'll ask you this morning, when's the last time you looked into your wife's face? You've considered her, her countenance. What does it say about the way you've been treating her? What does it say about the way you've been investing in her or maybe the way you've been neglecting her? What Bill McCartney saw that day jolted him into reality and led him to walk away from one of the most prestigious positions in college athletics. And he quit to spend more time with his wife. For years, he admitted that he'd put his marriage on the back burner and now he wanted to put everything else on the back burner and have his marriage become all that it was capable of, of becoming. And he said when he did that, when he made that decision that his wife's countenance immediately changed. There was a, a glow in her face because for the first time in their married life, she was convinced that he loved her more than football and that she was more important to him than anything else in his life. And again, this is every woman's dream. This is every woman's desire is to know that next to Christ, they are the most important thing in their husband's life. Amen, ladies? And so that might be a, a hard question to ask, a scary question to ask, guys. But I would encourage you to do that sometime soon. Ask your wife if they really feel like they are the most important thing in your life. 
Now, depending on their answer, few of any of us can quit our jobs. Okay, fine, I'll quit my job and I'll just stay home and spend time with you. Okay, that's not realistic. <laughs> Doesn't seem like that would necessarily be the right response to, to prove to them or show them how important they are to us. But there are other simpler and more practical ways that we can communicate how much our wives mean to us. Like, for example, reading a book on marriage. How's that for a setup, right? And, and I'm, I encouraged the guys yesterday that, hey guys, if you choose to jump on board with us and we're due for a marriage book, we've, we've read a, just a couple in like 20 years, we've only read two marriage books in Ironman. One was called The Complete Husband, a great book by Lou Priolo. And the other one was called Sex, Romance, and the Glory of God uh, by C.J. Mahaney. When we rolled that one out, all the, all the women, all the wives rolled their eyes going, oh, great. What's Ken going to be teaching these guys on Friday mornings, you know, and how that's going to affect our marriage. Um, but it was, it's an outstanding book and, and one of my favorites. But uh, we're due. We're due for a book on marriage. And I thought about this, and, and you, even the secular media has pointed this out. I'm sure you've noticed this, of how this pandemic has impacted marriages and have, has it had a negative impact on marriages. You got husband and wife cooped up together, not used to that, kids, work, all the pressures, the tension, it's just kind of increased, it exposed like problems in the relationship, they were heightened. In fact, they've even said that the pornography use is up, um, the online affairs are, have increased through this whole pandemic, so something's going on there. And uh, so what a timely read. Uh, to get back, kind of to hit reset, if you will. We're kind of doing that in a lot of different areas in our lives. We're kind of hitting, have the opportunity to hit the reset button. And uh, what a perfect time to hit reset on your marriage. And so guys, I would encourage you to come Friday mornings and we'll read this together. And then we're gonna also, I'm gonna encourage you to, to read it with your wives along as we go. Or at least use it as a foundation for some great conversations throughout the week as you're reading. And you can say, hey, honey, I read this and I underlined this and I wanna read this to you. And hopefully that will, uh, really what I'm trying to do is get you wives to get your guys, right, uh, to come uh, to Ironman because you'll benefit from this. And so I encourage you guys to prayerfully consider joining up with us. And again, if you have some issues going on right now in your marriage and you want some help, uh, we're here to help. Um, hopefully you've heard my heart. You know, Kel and I haven't arrived. We don't have the perfect marriage. We're still in process. Uh, all the other pastors and elders would say the same thing, but we've got some, some, some well-trained, well-equipped counselors here uh, at Lakeside, and we would love uh, to spend some time with you and uh, kind of help you as you hit reset uh, on your marriages. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this very simple verse, but it's so profound and it has the potential to really revolutionize uh, a man's relationship with his wife. And so would you help us to be faithful to uh, live these truths out, put them into practice in our lives, and that you would refresh uh, every marriage in this church. Um, Lord, uh, for those that maybe have suffered during these last several months, um, Lord, would you revive them uh, reunite them, reconcile them, and uh, would you use our church and maybe use this new resource that we're going to be reading to, to help in that process. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.